Hey guys, welcome back to the Moments of Joy podcast. My name is Sana Latrice. And my name is Josh. And we are the Cottons. But this week, we are your guest hosts. If you're an MVP listener, we say welcome back. And if you're a first-time listener, we thank you for joining us. Moments of Joy is a faith-based podcast intended to bring you joy, inspiration, and hope by sharing stories of trials and triumphs. So sit back and get ready to receive some laughter and a moment of joy. I need the joy. This week, we wanted to focus on marriage, specifically ours. We celebrated our 12-year anniversary on August 18th, and I began to think about how in the world did we make it to 12 years? 12 years. There's so many young couples that are struggling to remain married and are throwing in the towel. So Josh and I decided to come up with a few lessons that each of us have learned throughout this past 12 years. Now, we would have come up with a whole lot more, but this episode is only but so long, so we only got a few lessons for you. And so I just need everybody to know, as a disclaimer, we are not licensed marriage counselors, and our views does not reflect the views of the Moments of Joy podcast. There are simply our marriage views and perceptions, all right? Thank you so much. Okay, so first we wanted to give you guys a quick synopsis of who we are. We, as we said, have been married for 12 years. Uh, When we first got together, we were both coming uh, from a place of a lot of different hurt and pain that we had experienced. And so we were kind of joined together, I'd say, at the right time. Um, Yeah, at the right time. At the right time. So we, um, I came and I actually visited Josh's father's church. And when I walked up the um, steps of the church, I saw him standing outside and I immediately knew that he was going to be my husband. I heard God clearly say to me, that's your husband. And so, of course, I approached him because I'm bold like that. And I approached him and we exchanged numbers. And a week later, we went on our first date. And we've been together ever since. We didn't exchange numbers. Um, I gave my number to her cousin (laughs) because I don't give my number out in church. Thank you very much. Whatever. Okay. So so that's basically how we met. Um, The part of our meeting that I think really keeps us encouraged, um, has kept us encouraged over the 12 years, is that even after meeting, when he brought me home to meet his um, family, his grandmother specifically, when we came to the house, she immediately knew who I was. Um, She had a picture of me on her dresser mirror of when I was very young in foster care. And the dresser mirror, um, the picture being on the dresser mirror kind of symbolized it was as if she was waiting for us to meet together. And so I think that because of that, it's kind of kept us going, knowing that, you know, God certainly did ordain our marriage so even when the enemy tries to throw different trials our way we kind of lean back on the promise and the promise is that we were meant to be together so our story is a little different yeah it's a little different it's not your average love story um but i think that's what makes it imperfectly perfect for us so 
I wanted to share a quick scripture uh, before we get into our lessons in marriage. The scripture is coming from Mark chapter 10, verses six through eight. And it says, from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. And I say that because I think that a lot of marriages today, young marriages, you, you can agree or not agree, um, we find ourselves not being one. We find ourselves trying to be two people in one marriage. And if you're in a Christian marriage, that's not the way that God ordained it to be. Marriage is not solo, it's a duet. And it takes a husband and a wife playing the same song, uniting as one single unit. Most people don't know what true oneness is, but oneness doesn't mean sameness. Oneness means working together toward the same goal. Couples that work together towards the same goal will have to communicate, cooperate, and merge strengths while overlooking or overcoming weaknesses. And I feel like this is definitely something that we have had to endure together. It's trying to um, merge into one to be be able to overcome our weaknesses. You are your spouse's partner. The stronger you are together, the stronger you will be as individuals. This not only requires time, but it requires an authentic commitment. Marriage makes two individuals even stronger as one. And I think that that's important. You think we've kind of, at year 12, kind of gotten the the lesson in that? Year 12, I think we have. Um, It definitely took us some time. Um, to get to the place where we are today. Um, But one of the things that I really, really um, focus on in marriage um, that a lot of people, is real real simple, but a lot of people miss it, is there's two parts um, when you first get married. There's two things that you say um, when you're up there standing before God. Um, You say, for better, and you say, for worse. And it's real easy for everyone to stay married during the for better part. And so when everything's going good, it's like, oh, this is good. This is, you know, marriage is easy. Um, We could do this. We could do this forever. Um, But as soon as it becomes for the worse, that's when everybody's ready to go. That's when everybody's ready to get the divorce. Uh, I can't deal with this. I can't take this. I'm ready to leave. And um, I think that's the part that we miss, um, the for worse part. And so for me, um, and my wife, we've been through the for worse part in the beginning of our marriage. And um, we were able to stick it out. We was able to stay together um, through a lot of prayer um, and, and talking um, and stuff like that. And so I think now we can finally get a chance to uh, really enjoy the for better part um, of our marriage. And so that's what I'm looking forward to. Uh, but you got to be able to to stay in there, stay in the race and, and stay in the fight when it's the for worse, because there will be moments of the worst. Um, things are not going right. Finances is not going right. Um, she getting on your nerves, you're getting on her nerves. Mm-hmm. Um, kids are acting up. Um, nothing seems to just be in order. Nothing seems to be lined up right. Nothing seems to be going the right way. And those are the moments when you just ready to be like, you know what, I could just do this by myself. Um, you know, I don't have to deal with this. You can go your way. I go my way. Uh, we can just be friends and, and blase, blase. But uh, 
the for worst part is the part that people can't make it through. And so um, I think if you're ever if you're ever able to make it through the for worst part, um, then there's definitely a better side of marriage. Uh, marriage is not a bad thing. Um, it's looked at as a bad thing by so many people, um, but it's definitely not a bad thing. And so I think we've made it past the for worse. And I'm just, I think I'm ready to enjoy this for a better part. And I think, you know, if we're, if we're being authentic on this podcast for us, a lot of our for worse was because we really just, first off, we were young when we got married, we were in our very early 20s uh, when we got married and we were trying to figure this thing out. I already had a son. So on top of just being married, we were coming into the situation with um, me having a three-year-old son. Um, Josh being not only the son of the pastor, but the baby son of the pastor. So he was the youngest son. We each had our own struggles. I was coming from foster care. I was coming from being a teen mom, being a single mom, being uh, sexually abused, having to deal with a lot of different trauma. His background was a lot different than mine. Yeah. Not saying that he didn't have his own trauma. Um, his mother had passed yeah. away when he was uh, 16. 16 of breast cancer. So he had a lot of his own trauma, but together we were coming together having, having not dealt with the traumas. So we're coming into this marriage, having not dealt with the traumas. I am coming into this marriage, having to adapt to now being uh, the, the wife of the pastor's son, which is certainly something that I never anticipated nor asked for. And I wasn't ready for everything that came along with it. I don't think either of us expected um, some of the trials that we had to deal with uh, coming along with it, because I mean, I was I was a I was pretty off the hook. Um, mm -hmm. I was very raw. I was, you know, I'm from Bridgeport. He's from New Haven. Our church is in Middletown, Connecticut. So I was very raw coming into it. I was very um, defensive coming into it. So if someone had something to say, like I, I felt like it needed to be dealt with. I felt like people you know, weren't able or wasn't allowed to disrespect me. And Josh was more kind of like, you know, his stance was always. They ain't got nothing to do with us. They ain't got nothing to do with us. That was always his response. They ain't got nothing to do with us. And I used to feel like, you know, why is that the response that you keep giving? Why aren't you protecting me? Why aren't you standing up for me? Why aren't you telling them to stop? That was and from and, from, and just to just to touch on that because in my eyes you know I grew up around this so I, I already know what it, what comes with it you know I've I've, I've been dealing with it um, never never on the level of having to deal with it with my wife but just understanding church people and for me it's just like you know this is gonna happen um, and we just have to ignore it kind of because it's like you know they they don't make us they don't break us. Um, and so whatever they're saying, we're just going to ignore it and, and, and keep on moving because that's their goal to try to get you to react, um, to what they're saying. If they can get you to react to what they're saying, then they've won. So it was always my thing of just to kind of like push it off and just, we ain't going to worry about that. Um, not really understanding all of the stuff that she was coming from. So this wasn't one of those situations where we can just 
push it off because she already had came from so much. Um, this was these these were things that needed to be dealt with. But you know, we was young, and so for me, it's just like I ain't nothing, whatever. We ain't gonna worry about it, type of thing. And uh, that wasn't the case, but um, but we made it through. You know, we made it through. Uh, we did make it through, but he's skipping a whole lot of stuff. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying. We, we made it through, but it 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 took a lot. We did a lot of uh, fussing and fighting and arguing, and you know, me cussing folk out and. Yeah. Me fighting folk, literally, and him having to choose, uh, you know, in public who he was going to to uh, stand up for. It took a lot. And for me, what that did was as the years began to go on, I started to feel like I was in a marriage with a man that I could not trust. And so by trust, I mean, you know, it wasn't, you know, I didn't trust him where I thought he was going to go out and, you know, cheat on me and all that stuff. It was trust feeling like if we were out in a situation, he was always going to choose somebody else in the church or his parents over my opinion. So I started to feel like I was in this by myself. I couldn't trust him in that respect. So I was in this by myself. And so whenever somebody would say something to me or I felt disrespectful, disrespected, I would handle it myself and I would talk to him about it later. Um, that's kind of what, what started to happen. And so that leads me to one of my lessons is that I had to learn how to trust my husband with my whole self. And by my whole self, I mean, I had to trust that First off, it took a lot of prayer and a lot of crying and a lot of screaming and a lot of dealing with my inner issues and knowing that I needed to go through deliverance because some of my trust issues stemmed from just men in general in my life never being upfront, honest and respectful and honoring me. So, of course, I brought all of that into my marriage. So he was already not on a level playing field from the start. Um, and then being in, in ministry together, that added on a whole nother level. And I began to not trust him there. And then, um, like I said, I really started to feel like I was in this thing on my own. And I had to trust that God was working on him, that, you know, as I prayed to God, even though my prayers were not getting answered right away, even though I wasn't going into my prayer closet and coming out and he was changed, I had to trust that God was doing a work in him. And that because I was praying to God, I didn't need to keep nagging him. I didn't need to keep um, confronting him and saying, well, why didn't you stick up for me? Or why you didn't do this? I had to trust that God was be going to begin to show him how I felt, that he was going to put my husband in positions where he would feel how I have felt so that he could understand where I was coming from and that I wasn't going to be able to do it. It really was going to have to come from God in order for him to really get it. And I think that probably in the last couple years, you think, probably the last two years, I think that he's really beginning to um, 
see things differently. His perspective is changing and he's starting to understand, okay, maybe she wasn't crazy in some of those moments. Um, maybe it really was, you know, some situations going on. And I think, what did you say that your cousin has said one day when he was preaching a revival at the church? Mm, I don't know, babe. I got to think. He was saying how his his cousin was speaking about his wife. His cousin is a pastor. Oh, yeah. He was just basically saying, you know, you can't speak to me and not speak to my wife. So basically, if you don't, if you're not going to speak to my wife, then don't speak to me, basically. And it was funny when he came home and said that, like that it had really hit him. When he, when his cousin said that, it had really hit him. I'm looking at him like, I've been saying this for 12 years and you never felt like I was right. And now all of a sudden it just clicked. Well, because you got to understand something real quick. Um, it's, it's, it's a lot to, to discuss in this little bit of time, but a lot of, a lot of, 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 of some of the things that we were going through, um, <clears throat> I've always been to the, in the church and um just you know for the last few years i've been working on my ministry and really um trying to see where god's gonna where he's gonna take me to but one thing i've always known is i've always known that i was going to be a pastor somewhere i'm going to be preaching somewhere i'm going to be leading some people and for me um i've always had this thing like i have to be um preparing myself for for that role there's not going to be moments where I can just be like, you know, you can't speak to me. Or if something's going on between, um, let me make sure I say this the right way. If, if something happened between you and my wife, um, because back then you have to understand how my wife was and she really didn't play any games. So she could be beefing with the whole church. <laughs> so now I would have to walk around the whole church not speaking to anyone. So it's like, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, <laughs> you know, so I was looking at it like that, like, you know, like I gotta, that's why I will always try to get her to not take it to that level, man, and just be like, yo, don't worry about what they're saying because, yo, I, when I started to really understand like the things that she went through in life and how a lot of the things that was happening at the church was just triggers, on you know and bring it back up some of the old things that happened but i'm like i'm like babe we can't we, i can't go around just not speaking to anybody <laughs> you know every time you get into it with somebody now i can't speak to them it's like you know so but 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 it took me some time to really understand and um it's not even so much about the speaking it's the extra stuff that comes with it that they would try to do so for me um you know all the extra conversations that you would try to have with me on purpose because you know you're not speaking to my wife but you know you can get a conversation out of me those are the things that i start to open my eyes up to like okay hey how you doing that's all you're gonna get from me um you know all the extra conversation that you try to have in front of my wife being disrespectful um you know it, it just and then and then, when, and then when i heard that um it just hit me a different way when i heard the guy say it man he it was just like you know I got to do better. Like you're really not going to be able to just come up to me and have a conversation with me and speak to me. And my wife is right next to me and you can't even address her or say hi to her or say anything to her, but you come right to me. Very disrespectful. So um, 
like I said, I, I, I'm at that place now and I, and I understand that now. And so just for everybody to understand it so that everybody does know where I'm coming from, if my wife is next to me and you, <laughs> and you do not speak to my wife, please don't speak to me. Thank you. <laughs> Listen, when he says I was beefing with the whole church, I was not beefing with the whole church. I know that. The but... church was, and I'm not going to say the church because it wasn't everybody. No, just people. Um, there was just different people, but I think as I look back on it now, I remember there was a one Sunday when Josh and I had, I don't even know if we were married yet. We may have just still been engaged. And I'll never forget this. Um, Pastor Bruce Carter came here and he preached at our church on a Sunday morning. Uh, Josh's pastor, I mean, his father and his mother had went on vacation. And so he was the guest preacher for that morning. And I remember he called Josh and I up to the front. Josh was already in the front because he played on the drums, but he called me to the front and he had me to stand behind Josh. And he began to prophesy over our marriage. And I don't, I really don't even think we were married yet. I think we were still engaged. Um, and he had said, you know, how we were going, you know, God was really going to use us to do a great work in the kingdom. And how, individually we were powerful but when we came together we were going to be a force and he went on and on and i remember in the moment when he did it i was so upset because i was so embarrassed that he had called me to the front of the church to do this but my spiritual uh, side had not developed to the place where i am now and i look back at that time now and i i see how you know he prophesied that over us and probably from then on the devil attacked our marriage like literally attacked our marriage in every which way and you have to understand we were not having like issues just like regular issues like at home like it wasn't like you left the toilet seat up or you know we're arguing over finances like i don't think we even had those type of of issues, even being young in our marriage, we were not arguing over the things that most married couples are, are struggling with in the beginning. Our struggle was ministry. It was ministry. We literally, every argument that we would have, it would stem from something that happened at church that ended up coming home with us. And, and even if it did not directly involve us, it became an argument for us, like literally. And, and I think that a lot of it was me because I come from a Pentecostal background and our church is Baptist. So that was like, that was quite emerging of, of you know, emerging. That's all I could say. And so there was different things that would happen in the Baptist church that I'd be like, if that happened in my uncle's church, you would be sat down or he wouldn't allow that or you couldn't do that. And I just, I, I had a hard time because I'm such a control freak. I had a hard time of sitting there watching people, what I felt being disrespectful in the house of God, just get away with it. And so I would like debate Josh and the debates would turn into full-blown arguments as if it was us <laughs> that was doing it like this was constant and then you know we started 
working together in ministry as far as running the summer camp. Now ministry has become business and we are total opposites in business. And so we had to learn how to be able to work together in, in business. And that took a long time for us to be able to, to, to do, which leads me to my second lesson. I had to learn how to stay in my perfectly designed lane. What does that mean? For me, that meant my perfectly designed lane meant in the beginning of our marriage, God had me in one lane where I think that I was a little bit more advanced. Can I say that without you feeling offended? You can say it. I, I feel like I was a little bit more advanced because I had more responsibility as far as already being a mother when we got married and coming from a tougher situation. I had been on my own since I was 16. Um, so I had a little bit more responsibilities. There were different things that I was used to doing and having to do. And I think that Josh was not in that position. He was a little bit more spoiled. Can mm. I say spoiled? No, I won't say at that age. Who do you think you were? It was nothing. Because little, little do you know, I was on my own at that age. He was. He was on his own. But I think that he just did not have as much responsibility. As much responsibility, no, because I didn't have any kids. It was just me. So I kind of was just doing what I wanted, um, you know. But. And so when we first got married, I kind of took on the role of the, the lead. Would, is that fair to say? Mm-hmm. You can say that. I took on the role as the lead. And... Again, I'm a control freak, so I really, you know, I was doing everything. Um, I was doing everything, and I think at some point he got used to me doing everything, and so he wasn't pushing to do anything different uh, because I had run. I was running the household. I was running everything, literally, and then it got to a point where God spoke to me and said, it's time for you to shift. You need to go into your assigned role in your assigned lane. And Josh really began to take the lead. And because I was used to being in a lane and running things, I, again, was not able to trust him to lead because I didn't know where he was leading us to. So I was like, you know, he'd be like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And in the back of my mind, I would be working on plan B and C if his plan A didn't work because I just wanted to make sure that we were going to be okay. And that wasn't working at all because for him, I think it was showing that I just didn't, I didn't trust your leadership. Well, you could say that, but I would say, which leads me to my first point, I would say it was really because I didn't really have anywhere that I was leading us. Mm, that's good. So um, you, you really have to, if you, if you get married and, and you get to a place where you really want your wife to follow where you're going and, and, and trust that you're going to be taking this family to the right place, you really have to be able to show her where we're going. And I was leading but I had no clue where I was going. Um, mm. I was all over the place. And so 
for her, she may have felt like it was a a control freak issue and and she just didn't whatever she was just saying. But at the end of the day, it really was me. Like I didn't I didn't have a destination. And so I was just she was following me, but we weren't going anywhere. So um you really have to have a plan um and really know what you're doing and where you're going and allow God to really show you what you're supposed to be doing and where you're taking your family. If you want your wife to be able to follow you without any questions, without any concerns, without having a plan B. Um, and I feel like I finally got to that place now where I'm able to <clears throat> really lead my family and, and I have direction, you know what I mean? And she's able to, allow me to take care of things and allow me to 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 lead this family because I'm showing her that we're not just walking but we're going somewhere. Mm. So um that's that's one of the things that um that's powerful in marriage is very key for men because men want to be in control but and men want to lead but if you ain't going nowhere where are you expecting them to follow you to? Mm. So that's good, babe. Ooh, that was good. So that was very authentic. I know. Wow. That's what I do. You just freed me. I wasn't <laughs> controlling. You just wow. Well, wow. Come on, you can't get stuck to Okay. I'm sorry, y'all. That just that that just freed me a little bit there. Okay, so. Needless to say, I've now realized what my lane is, and my lane is his help me. It's always been his help me. Um, my lane is to serve, but I also had to recognize that I had a calling and a purpose for my life too. And I think that sometimes if you're married to someone that's in ministry that is a, a pastor or a preacher or a deacon or whatever, sometimes we as wives can kind of get uh, wrapped up in their life that we forget about what God called us to do. And I think I did that for a little while. I just kind of got stuck in him. It was all about him. It was all about, you know, pushing him. Um, and I, I've said this before on my social media, and I talk a lot about potential, about how we, as women, sometimes we fall in love with potential, we marry potential, we have children by potential, all that stuff. And, you know, a lot of times the potential don't work out. And I think for me, I, I fell in love with Josh's potential. I know I did. I saw his potential very early on. God showed me his potential very early on. And I think sometimes I seen it more than he seen it. And so I pushed him a lot harder. And at times he wasn't, he wasn't ready uh, for me to push him. He needed to move on his own. And if you know my husband at all, you know that my husband moves very slowly. He, he takes his time and he thinks um, he, he has no sense of urgency. I think he thinks that time revolves around him. Um, and so I am the exact opposite. I move with urgency all the time. And so I saw his potential early on. And for me, you know, who I am, part of my gift is to push people into their potential. 
And I was doing that in my marriage, but really he just needed me to be his help me. And I had to recognize what my place was. And not just what my place was, but there's a time, um, there's a season for different gifts that God has given us. And I think that that also extends to marriage. You know, God will have you to be different things in your marriage at different times um, as wives. I, I believe that's really how he made us, made us. You know, we can be all things, don't get me wrong, we can be all things, but I think there's a time when God calls us to be certain things more. And so there was a time where God was saying, just relax and let me be me. And I was trying to be me. <laughs> and that is not what God called, uh, called for me in that season. And so now that I've gotten to a place where I understand that, and I understand the work of God's hands, and I understand that there really is a time that you can, you can literally shift an entire uh, season by rushing time. You can, you can miss a multitude of blessings by rushing time. You can not be totally uh, ready, totally prepared, spiritually grown enough that you could really alter an entire season of your life. I'm learning to kind of relax and just watch the hands of God move. And, and while I'm watching it, really take in the way in which he moves. Um, because we're now in a season of our lives where I feel like we are totally moving by the will of God. Mm -hmm. yep. Totally moving by the will of God. I think he kind of put us in this place. It's not a place that we just chose to be. It's just a place that he has put us in. And because we're mature enough spiritually, we recognize it. And so we're, we're okay with it. And so we're just kind of, you know, just kind of waiting, just kind of in a waiting a waiting zone right now um, to see what's next for us. Does that make sense? It does. But waiting, waiting doesn't mean, um, I, I think a lot of us think that when we're waiting, we're just like still. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but God, he showed me that waiting doesn't mean that you're still not busy. You're still not working. Waiting just means that you, you, you're waiting to hear um, your next assignment like waiting to hear what god has for you what's the next thing he's going to have for you to do uh, where's where's he going to place you where's he moving you to um but in that season of waiting i still feel like there's work to do mm. um so a lot of times we're waiting and not working we're just like at this place where we're just like doing nothing mm saying that we're waiting on God. And I don't, I don't think that God has us waiting and not doing nothing. Um, but when he has us waiting, he just, he just opens up our ear more where we're able to hear clearer and to see better mm -hmm. what it is that he'll be having for us to do next. Um, while we're still working in ministry, uh, while we're still doing this and we're still doing that, um, but he has us had a place where we're able to uh, because you can be doing a lot of work and a lot of work and a lot of things that you're doing um, is kind of like taking up too much space or it's, it's, it's clouding your vision. Um, and so when God's speaking and he's trying to show you things, you're not able to see it because 
um, of all the mess that you're involved in. Mm. Um, but right now he has this in this season where like, I really see clear, um, I'm still working, I'm still doing ministry, but he has me doing it from a different place. And it's a place of where it's not so congested. Yes. Um, and I'm able to really do what I have to do and still be at a place where I can hear him speak. Um, there's not a lot of mess going inside of me. Um, you know what I mean? So, so, you know, it's not a lot of stuff that's clogging up um, me hearing what he's saying. So, um, what's your second lesson? Um, my second lesson would be in marriage would just be strictly um, communication, and it's very communication is very key because we as men um, we hold a lot of stuff in. Um, uh, things happen that we're not you know, too fond of or we're not pleased with and we just kind of like, whatever, we let it go. Um, man, we're not really complainers. Um, we'll just keep a lot of stuff in. But then as soon as something happens and something don't go right and we get into a little argument or disagreement, it comes out, but it doesn't come out in the way that you would want it to come out. It comes out in a way of anger or it comes out in a way of hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not received the right way because it didn't come out the right way. So I think mm-hmm. as men, um, we need to really make sure we do a good job with communicating. And if something's bothering us or if something's happening that we're not too fond of or we're not pleased with, um, I believe that there's a way that we need to communicate that with our wives instead of letting that thing build up. Because for men, stuff could build up and build up and build up. And when we have an argument, man, I think come out and you say some stuff that you'd be like, dang, I ain't mean to say that. Or, you know, words that 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 can come out that, you can't take back, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, you know, just communication, man. And and, and then, and, and I really think that once we as men learn how to communicate with our wives and, and really share with them what's on our hearts and being able to be vulnerable in a stage of them seeing us hurting and, and not feeling like we have to be too macho to, to, to share our feelings um, with them. Um, I, think, I think a lot of things would be a whole lot better. Um, just being able to communicate freely and um, saying what needs to be said. And I think that they'll be able to receive it better. Um, everything doesn't have to come at a place of arguing or, or um, mm. you know, a disagreement or um, you guys, it's not a good space. You know, some things need to come when everything's good, you know? Right. Everything, we're, we're at a good place. I just want to share this with you. Um, you know, this is something that was bothering me. I just want to bring it to your attention so that maybe we could fix it. Um, no, we ain't mad at each other and no, you ain't did it today and no, we ain't arguing, but, you know, I just want to bring it to your attention now while we're in a good space, you know, so that we can talk about it in a good space so that we can deal with it in a good space because once that space is not a good space, um, that's when the devil knows how to play with the words and he knows how to play with your mind and he knows how to allow you to say things to get under your wife's skin and then she's going to respond back and say something to get under your skin. And next thing you know, you guys are going back and forth all over something that could have been prevented had you just communicated with them the right way. So communication is key. Um, and marriage has always has been, um, and you know, so communication. So I just wanted to say that's a good one. And I, I think that as wives, when they get to the point where they are sharing you know, some of their feelings or what they, you know, what they feel is something that we can work 
work on in our marriages that we actually listen and don't take that as an opportunity to do a tit for tat and say, oh, well, you have a problem with this? Well, I got a problem when you do that. Mm -hmm. Because that is a way that the enemy really just begins to play. Uh, in your marriage is is tit for tat and feeling like, you know, you always have to have the upper hand or even using manipulation in marriages. Uh, as wives, we do it so often. And I think that we um, often try to disguise manipulation as other things. And it's, and it's not, it is manipulation and we do it. We do it with, you know, sex. We do it with, um, their pride, you know, just trying to play on their pride, play on the different things they've gone through, their weaknesses. We use manipulation a lot in weaknesses. Um, and I think that as women, we need to identify that spirit if it resides in you, truly identify it and ask God to deliver you from it because a lot of marriages are struggling from manipulation, a lot of marriages. And it's an ugly word that no one likes to talk about. Um, but it but it's very real and the enemy uses it a lot um the last thing that i wanted to really touch on and it's actually a third lesson that i wanted to share with you guys and it was really one that god gave me it's not it it really this is a god lesson so i don't know who needs to hear this one but one of the biggest lessons that i think i learned in the 12 years and one that because of this lesson it truly allowed me to respect and honor my husband on just a, a whole nother level is he really taught me how to respect my son's father's pride. So I'll elaborate a little bit. Um, coming into our marriage, me and my child's father was, we had a very tumultuous relationship we like we could not even be in the same room together we could not speak together to each other it just was very 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 volatile very toxic very ugly and um a lot of it was because a lot of it was simply because I was hurt there was a lot of things that I allowed myself to be subjected to in that relationship that I knew I was better than and I allowed myself to be subjected to that because I thought that I was in love with someone who was never created to love me. And when I got into my marriage with my husband, he was very instrumental uh, in bringing peace to that relationship. And it wasn't because of us. It wasn't because of any of the adults. It was really for my son. That was his main focus. And I think that myself and my child's father had lost focus of who you know why we were even tied together it was it was because of our son and we were so focused on destroying each other that we had lost focus of him and my husband really brought the peace to that relationship he um forced me to be the better and bigger person in a lot of situations a lot of opportunities where you know he my son's father would still disrespect me and I probably had all right to be disrespectful back. Um, my husband would silence me. 
and he would silence me in a way that it caused me to um, really look at my actions, look at my uh, my role in our relationship, and to determine that I wanted to be better for my son. And so he really was the driving force in the relationship that we all have now as a blended family. Um, it's it's a very peaceful relationship. Once I got a hold of the bigger picture, which was our child, and you know my husband was very. Um, he came in and he he was very much like, listen, whether he does it for him or not, it will still get done. If he needs something, it will still get brought, whether he buys it or not. You know, there were opportunities where the courts were like, you can come and petition to have the child support increased or put him in jail because he's not paying it. And my husband was like, absolutely not. We're not touching the child support. We don't care if he pays it, he don't pay it. He go to jail, he don't go to jail. We will not have any part in that. Um, we're gonna focus on, on our son. And from that point, it became our son, not my son. And he's had that position ever since. And so I, I really encourage a lot of moms that are, in or wives that are in relationships in marriages and still struggling with you know your your the father of your children who are not um doing what they're supposed to be doing to to allow your husband to lead you even in that area sometimes it feels like we're you know we are we're punks because that's how i felt i felt like i was being a punk like i'm just letting him get away with not taking care of his kid not seeing his kid like you know, he calling me out my name and I'm not busting the, his car windows. Are you kidding me? Like, Sana, they don't, no, no, Sana, everybody that knows Sana know I, I would slash a tire quick. And so I felt like I was being a punk. And um, and really what it's caused is is honor. It's caused honor in my marriage. And it's caused me to honor my son's father, even in times when he doesn't feel like he deserves to be honored. Um, just being able to honor him, it helps to uh, increase his, his pride. I think it helps to increase his self-esteem. He now goes to church on his own. Um, you know, he's starting to do better in his life. And as long as he's doing better in his life, it, it really is helping our son in his life. Um, because we don't realize what our behavior, the effects that our behavior as adults is having on our children. And so um, I just really wanted to encourage wives uh, and moms and single moms that if you really, 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 you know, if you want to see better, if you want to see a change, you sometimes have to be the change. And you're not a punk because you desire to see the change. That's good. Do you That's agree? Good. I agree. I definitely agree with that. Um, there's only two people. Either you're going to be the problem or you're going to be the solution. And if you complain and complain, then you're the problem. Um, so to you do something to become the solution, you're always going to be part of the problem. And um, for me, with that whole situation, it's just like, at the end of the day, your God puts people in positions to make changes. Mm. And for us to um, 
go back and forth with him and and, and to stoop down to the level that he was at at that time um, wouldn't have done any justice for Jameer, mm-hmm. <clears throat> who was the child. So you have to sit back sometimes and you have to just um, try to figure out what can I do to make a difference and what can I do to make this situation better um, and when God puts you in those positions to be able to do that for people, you have to do it for people. So even even the people that you can't stand, mm. even the people that you so-called hate or <clears throat> hate to be around or they get under your, under your skin and they get on your nerves, even those people, you have to be able to do it for those people. And so, you know, um, that's, that's where I came at from that angle. You know, at the end of the day, he's going to be all right, whether his father did for him or not. I was gonna make sure he was straight, but that was the that was the small picture. The, mm-hmm. big, the big picture was what can we do to help him, right. so that he can get to a place where he's able to want to do. And 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 now I think that we're all at a place now where, you know, still got a lot to a lot more, um, to to do. But I think the whole relationship all around the board is a whole lot better. Definitely. Um, because we were able to and willing to bite the bullet. Right. You know what I mean? And say, hey, what, what you know, let's 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 try to fix the problem instead of being the problem. So that's what that was. That's good. So we are running out of time. Yes. Did you have anything else that you would like to say before we close out our guest spot on the Moments of Joy podcast? I don't. I think I said it all. But you know, I enjoyed myself. Um and I and I just hope that the the people out there heard what we had to say, you know, um, and really take heed to to what we're trying to tell you guys, man, especially about marriage, man. We haven't, you know, we ain't been married for 30 years, but we've been married for 12, mm-hmm. um, 12 long years. Long and, years. And, and a lot of a lot of people our age don't make it that long no more. So um, 12 years is, is a very long time. Um, and so we were able to make it. Um, so we just try to give you guys a little bit of insight on how we were able to do it and some lessons that we learned along the way. Um, some people can use it, some people can't, but you know, for those who can, we hope that you take what we said and really um, try to apply it um, to, your, to your marriage if you haven't already been doing it. Um, have a plan, men, um, lead, you know, have a plan. Get your get to get the vision from God where He wants to take you and your family, and 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 lead the family, man, and and have a destination for them to 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 go to, and not just walking around in circles like they did in the wilderness mm. for forty years. My God. Um, so that's it for me. I'm good. And I, and for me, I'd like to say, you know, oftentimes people ask, not just us, but I hear the question a lot, or I see it on Facebook a lot is, you know, people always want to know what's the secret to a long marriage? What's the secret to longevity? And I think that there's really not a big secret. 
it works differently for everyone. Uh, so you can't compare your marriage to our marriage or your parents' marriage or, you know, your best friend's marriage because marriages are all different. You know, God has um, created different marriages for different purposes. And if you walk around trying to emulate somebody else's um, marriage, yours will never work. That's the first thing. The second thing is marriage is about dying to self every second of every day. It's about getting to a point where you are one. It's about oneness. And in order to get to oneness, your flesh, your, you have to die to your flesh because your flesh will have you thinking and doing and feeling and moving in all different types of ways that are away from your marriage, are away from your spouse. So it is a, a, a dying to flesh constantly, constantly um, evaluating your heart the posture of your heart towards your spouse, um, your motives, your intentions. It's being honest and true and asking God for guidance, asking God to direct your path, um, asking God to really work on the ugly sides of you because we all have ugliness. Like, don't get it, don't get it confused. I don't care how sweet of a person you are. There's something in you that is ugly because we are not perfect and we never will be perfect. Um, but it, it really is a dying of self so that you can get to that oneness that the word talks about um, in your marriage. And so I really, I really encourage, you know, husbands and wives um, that are believers, you know, because if you're not a believer, this thing is even harder than you can, ever imagine if you don't have God on your side if God is not at the center of your marriage I don't even know how marriages last when you're not a believer um but as believers you know God is supposed to be at the center of our marriages and we have to get back to what his word says back to the institution of marriage what he created it um to be and not be ashamed to walk in the lanes that God created for us as wives to walk in. Um, you know, it's, it's great to be a boss. It's great to be all of those new cliches that are, you know, a part of this generation. But at the end of the day, you know, God designed us to be a helpmeet. That was what the original design for woman was. And so we really have to get back to that, get back to the institution of marriage, um, because that is what is going to save your marriage, is getting back to the word and what the word declared over us as husbands and wives. Um, so that is all that we have for today. And you guys, um, we hope that you were blessed by what we had to share. And I'm sure you're excited and can't wait for Camille to be back. She will be back soon. Um, and so that's it. We're the Cottons. We're the Cottons. We hope to see you guys soon. Bye-bye. Peace.